right, today's uh, scripture reading is from Matthew 6, verse 10, if you guys want to open up your Bibles. Uh, Matthew six ten says, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Thank you, Sister Cassandra. <laughs> All right, good afternoon, everyone. Oh, good evening, we're almost that evening. All right. Man, who are all y'all people? Where y'all come from? Why is, why is it so crowded today? <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard, but this will be the second to last worship that we have here at King Bar. Uh, we're going to be moving to the new worship facility. Uh, we're very excited about that. You guys should be excited because you guys are going to be the ones uh, using the facility. So December 5th will be our kickoff service in the new facility. Um, it is it is really nice. The construction has come along really well, and we're very excited about it. Um, we have more than enough money to get you guys a chair each. So, uh, good news, you don't have to sit on the floor. All right. So, uh, I've been preaching through the nine core values of New Philadelphia Church over the last few months, and let me just cover the first seven that we've covered so far so let's break them down into threes three 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 all right there are nine core values that our church uh, has the first one is be extravagant in worship all right and so every week our church is going to go after be extravagant in worship there's no sunday where we're like all right this is the sunday where we're just going to be calm in worship we're just going to be you know and there are times where extravagant in worship could look calm but I'm telling you right now, this is a church that is going to be expressive, that is going to move in the freedom of the Holy Spirit as we worship the Lord. Second of the core values is freedom is for everyone. Freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we really believe that freedom should be something that God's people enjoy and freedom is something we also release. And freedom is not just for Christians. Freedom is for everyone. We believe that not only the Christian girls that are trapped in the sex industry should be freed. We believe that every girl that is trapped in the sex industry should be freed. Freedom is for everyone. When the uh, In America, when there was the abolition of the slave trade came, it did not apply to just Christian slaves. They apply to all slaves because freedom is for everyone. Now, a uh, third of the core values is <coughs> Father the Fatherless. We really believe in discipleship here. Uh, not just discipleship in the form of teaching, but discipleship in the form of investing into the life of another. You know, when Jesus commanded us to go and make disciples of all nations, I believe discipleship, a healthy form of discipleship, is not just teaching, teaching, teaching. Healthy form of discipleship is really investing your prayers, your time, your love, your money 
into really raising somebody up and uh, training them up into a leader. Right? Father the fatherless. And there's so many people in our, in our generation that have an orphan spirit. And we want them to be healed from that. So they no longer act like an orphan. They act like sons. They act like children uh, of God. And the fourth of our core values, those are the first three. The four, next three are, number four, <clears throat> be faithful in small things. We believe that uh, the top of our leadership group or leaders that are on toward the more reserved areas, all leaders at any time, if I asked John Michael, Pastor John Michael, can you mop the floor in the new sanctuary? All right. I expect Pastor John Michael to mop. And he does. You know, and on Saturday we're moving stuff. And, you know, we asked all the fellas to move all the couches and stuff like that. And whether it was top leaders or reserve leaders, everybody got involved, right? And doing, doing small things to really help out. We believe faithfulness in small things prepares us with the character that we need to be faithful with bigger assignments. Uh, number five. The anointing flows from the top down. This is an important lesson and core value about submission to authority. Uh, oh man, I could preach on that. But I'm not going to because that's not our core value today. But the anointing flows from the top down. It just talks about how, uh, yes, we have a direct relationship with God. Yes, we have an ability to hear from the Lord directly. Um, but God also uses spiritual leaders, authorities in your life to speak into your life. To speak into your life things that you may not want to hear. To speak into your life things that you may not want to really listen to. To correct you, to rebuke you, to, to help you stay the course. Right? Anointing flows from the top down. And we need to recognize that for the anointing and blessing of God to continue to flow into our lives, we've got to learn how to submit to spiritual authority. Even when we disagree, even when we don't respect that person or we're critical of that person, we ought to submit wherever God has called. You know, when I, before I came to Korea, I used to go out to a church in New Jersey. It was a Presbyterian church. And it used to be, um, it was a very old Presbyterian church in Bloomfield, New Jersey. And it started with uh, a whole bunch of white people back in the, um, I don't know, 1930s. It's a real old church. And what happened was this church failed to reach the next young generation. So when the young generation went to college, they all left church. And so this church was full of people that were 60, 70, 80 years old. And the church was literally dying out. And so what the Presbytery did was they took our English ministry from a Korean church and had us merge with this kind of older, elderly, geriatric church. And we became one church and we were called Bethany. And I did a, I did a, a church documentary for our church. And so I, I researched the archives and I had a lot of honor and respect for the saints that had gone before us in that church. Uh, but that was the church I was involved with. But, but in that church, um, there was the Holy Spirit was moving but he was moving very quietly and there was uh, not much freedom in the worship in fact I used to lead as a worship leader and I would do maybe two songs and every week there would be people that would complain and say can you just do one song uh, two songs just too long can you not repeat the verse oh man I, I just my legs get tired I can't I can't you know <clears throat> Anyway, that was the kind of environment it was. 
I love the pastor there. He used to be my youth group pastor. Um, but you know what? My longing was to be part of a church that was a much more you know, spirit-filled, dynamic, that was more uh, full of uh, young, vibrant fire and life. You know? And so I would go out to like Brooklyn Tabernacle Church, but I was also in part of a college ministry. So I did get that at the college ministry at Columbia University when I was serving on staff there. Um, but when it came down to it, by the word of prophecy and by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, I knew God, God wanted me to be part of that New Jersey church for a season. And during the season I was there, I submitted. I submitted. When, when they told me, hey, we don't want two songs, we just want one, I submitted. You know, I submitted and I, and I had my own ideas of how I wanted to see things done. But you know what? I yielded and I submitted cause I, I, and the Lord put that on my heart even when I was part of Campus Crusade there were things that I dis, didn't agree with but God would teach me submission submission and the anointing and blessing kept flowing into my life and I just continued to increase in authority increase in leadership increase in my assignments anyway the anointing flows from the top down man I told you I could preach on it that's what number uh, number five six Number seven, roll with the punches means be adaptable. As a Christian, don't don't get your um, the, yeah, oh, man. I'm not gonna say those things. Flow, learn how to flow. Be adaptable. When things don't go your way, embrace those detours. Because you know what? God might be the one who brought the detours in the first place. And we're blinded and when, when, when we get so upset about how things are not going according to our schedule and plan, we're not able to embrace the detours God brings, those divine appointments He brings in order to bless us. So roll with the punches, very important. Especially when you go on a mission trip, you got to roll with the punches. Because uh, local missionary, local uh, indigenous pastors, we, we work with indigenous pastors. That's what's wonderful about doing New Philly missions. When I was doing Campus Crusade missions, and I love Campus Crusade missions as well, all the uh, people that we will contact and work with when we go on the missions field, they were American Campus Crusade staff that were living in that country. But what's wonderful about doing New Philly missions and what's distinct about doing New Philly missions is uh, our mother church has a network of indigenous pastors. So when we go to these nations like India and Myanmar, we don't work with Americans. We don't work with Koreans. We work with indigenous pastors that we pay for their scholarships so they can graduate from seminary. We pay for the groundbreaking ceremony so they can have a building. All right, We partner with indigenous pastors. And why am I going on that? Anyway, we, 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 when we go and we work with indigenous pastors, indigenous pastors have different cultures and different ways. So they might be like, the schedule's going to be like this and when you arrive, the schedule's not like that. And then they're a little, you know, and then they say, you know, well, you're doing a great job. Can you do an extra service today? Actually, can you do three extra services? People are hungry. They're meeting up in the mountain right now. Can you go over there? All right, and those times you gotta learn how to roll with the punches. And number seven, which is what Pastor Marcus preached last week, the supernatural is natural. At our church, we embrace the supernatural. It's not a thing that happens from time to time. It's something that. We embrace, we honor, and when it happens, we love it. And you know what? When it doesn't happen, maybe we're even disappointed. Because we love the supernatural. 
Because you know what? God is supernatural. If you, if you have been serving and worshiping a God that is not supernatural, oh man, I feel sorry for you. That is one boring Christianity. God is supernatural. He does miracles. He does miracles then. He still does miracles today. God is not all up just in your brain. God wants to touch your heart. God wants to touch your physical body. God wants to shake you up, literally. And He will shake you up. When the power and fire of God hits the person, and people fall down in fire, shaking, crying, people are like, what's going on? And then most people do not grow up with a grid to interpret what they see going on in the, in the, in the charismatic movement, going on in the Pentecostal movement, that's going on in the spirit-filled movements. But let me tell you something right now. If you do ministry in Asia and you're not moving in spiritual gifts, you're not embracing prophetic words, you don't, you're still have an aversion to the gift of tongues, you're in trouble. Because Asia is very open to spiritual, spiritual things. Whether it's spiritual things from God or whether it's spiritual things from the devil. They're going to embrace something that's spiritual. Because they're just by their culture, they're very open to spiritual things. And this is what Jason Ma told me two weeks ago when I was just hanging out with him. I said, well, Jason Ma, I know you work with also like, you know, you know, Baptists and all these other denominational folks that don't believe in the supernatural stuff. How do you work with them? And, he, and, and, and he's like, he's like, well, you know, you know I, I try to be smart about it. You know, I try to honor and respect the leaders that are there. But let me tell you something right now. If you do ministry in Asia and you're not moving the supernatural, you're an underdog. He said, you ain't going to see very much fruit. People are not going to really come out to your events. They're not going to really have lasting change in your ministry. Because you know what? When it comes down to it, people in Asia, they're looking for the real deal. They're already experiencing spiritual things. So it's a battle. It's a warfare. Supernatural is natural, brothers and sisters. And we've got to get out of that Western thinking, get it out of the American Christianity culture that says, you know, Christianity is just all about the mind. Christianity is all about understanding, enlightenment. Christianity is more than that. Christianity is not just about knowing about God and trying to nurture a personal relationship with God. It's about encountering God. It's about actually experiencing Him. Getting revelations, seeing visions, dreams. Having Him touch your physical body. Like you touch the electric socket, you start shaking under the power of God. That's power. You can't see electricity, but you know what's real. You can't see gravity, but it's very powerful. I'll tell you right now, God's power is much more greater than electricity or gravity put together. And when he touches your senses, he touches your body. And it, and it could be a sign of a deeper work in your heart. Oh, some people, they're going to shake. Oh, and then there's other people like myself uh, that are still waiting for the big shake. You know, I don't really shake when I get prayed for. Uh, sometimes it will fall, but sometimes it's a courtesy fall. Let me just admit, I, I, I'm guilty of the courtesy fall. Like some of you have. All right, because sometimes ministers... They will push you. They will push you and then they're like, yeah! And, and then you're just like, oh, I just want to bless them. <clears throat> but admittedly, I don't personally, I don't, I don't manifest that much. So, you know, like, whatever. You know, I just receive it in faith. I receive it in faith. But uh, supernatural is natural, you know? And when the supernatural is natural, you can joke about 
supernatural signs and wonders. It's not this, oh, secret. What do, let's have a meeting and talk about it. Yeah. All right. It's open. It's open here. All right. Supernatural is natural. It's core value. And we, we want to establish a grid in the minds of God's people at this church to embrace and honor supernatural moves of God because God is supernatural. Number eight is what we are on today. <clears throat> and today's core value is called contend for the kingdom. Everyone say contend for the kingdom. Contend for the kingdom. Now, what does this mean? Well, let's begin with the word kingdom. When Jesus started his ministry, he said, repent for the kingdom of God is near. What does the word kingdom mean to you? Does kingdom mean the universal church? Repent for the universal church is near. What does kingdom mean to you? And a real simple way that people explain the concept of kingdom is uh, they just break it down into two words. King's dominion. Kingdom. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. He is the king of kings, right? So when we talk about kingdom, there's a king involved in this kingdom. That king, I'm pretty sure, is Jesus. And so when you talk about the king's dominion, you're talking about the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. And so what was happening was, for many thousands of years of human history, there was a dominion going on. There was somebody ruling and reigning. And I'll tell you right now, a lot of times it was the devil. The devil established his dominion on the earth through the sin of man. Through, the, through calling, uh, saying all kinds of lies and tempting man. He established his dominion, the dominion of darkness, the dominion of wickedness and evil and destruction and death. He established that dominion on earth through the agreement of the people that dwell on the earth. Because you can't, the protocol is always flesh and blood. So whether it's God or whether it's the devil, in order for any work to be established on this earth, any stronghold to be established in the earth, it requires flesh and blood. So it requires Satan to have to tempt somebody like Eve or Adam, well, Adam and Eve. Or it requires Satan to tempt a dictator to believe certain lies, to do certain things, to eradicate entire people or try to eradicate entire people. All right? The protocol is flesh and blood. So for many, many thousands of years of human history, before Jesus arrived on the scene, there was a lot of dominion, but it was not the king's dominion. And during that time, God gave clues of the coming kingdom. All throughout prophecy, it talked about one that will come, a prince of peace. One who will reign with an iron scepter. One who will reign in, in justice and righteousness. Whose throne is established in justice and righteousness. So God gave clues about the coming kingdom. And then when his son came to earth, it didn't happen yet. It happened for 30 years later <laughs> when he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. 30 years later when he was done with his carpentry career. That's when Jesus stepped on the scene. The Holy Spirit showed up. Holy Spirit, you got to take note, right? Holy Spirit came upon him, anointed him. That's when he began the message. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. In other words, 
the king's dominion is now going out. Wherever there is darkness, this kingdom is going to collide with that kingdom. And I'll tell you right now, when the collision of kingdom of God with the kingdom of darkness, when there's a collision, there's one kingdom that always wins. All right, so kingdom talks about king's dominion. Now, contend for the kingdom. Contend for the king's dominion. What does that mean? What does that mean? Okay, and so let me just make it really practical. There's three areas. There's many areas you can contend for the kingdom. But I'm just going to talk about three today that are very practical, that you can digest and take with you, that you can memorize and apply to your life right away. There's three areas that I want to encourage you to contend for the kingdom. And contend means to um, fight, to... Um, oh, what was the dictionary definition? Anyway, I left it in my suitcase. But anyway, you know what contend means, right? You, uh, you contend for a championship. Uh, when there's a boxing champion, usually that boxing champion fights the number one contender, right? So contending, you know, you know Manny Pacquiao, by the way, man. He is one awesome boxer. Man, you don't, you, don't, you don't want to be a contender to Manny Pacquiao. He'll knock you out. And he'll go up and down the weight class. You know, it don't matter if, he's like, if you're like 100, 100 pounds heavy. He'll, he'll still take you on and he'll mess you up. You know, you, you might be bigger than him. You might have longer reach. He's going to be, you're going to look like a bigger, you know, it's just going to look like a bigger mess up when he's done with you. I mean, Manny Pacquiao is a powerful boxer. I, anyway, contend. <laughs> contend means to really go after to stand up for it, to not give up, to be in resolve toward that Super Bowl ring, to be in resolve for that WBC title. Content, content, content. So as God's people, we are not called to just simply be content with what we have now. We are, you know, a lot of Christianity, a lot of churches will teach you, you are an unworthy sinner and you should be content with what you have. And if God uses you to do something good, you should be happy about that. You should feel lucky that He even did that through you. Because you're nothing but an unworthy sinner. And a lot of the church will teach that. You just be content with what you got. And you just wait for God's sovereignty to show up in your life in order for you to even accomplish anything that's of worth. But you know what? That's not what the Bible teaches. That's what religion teaches. Religion is there to keep you humble and poor. Right? But the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible doesn't teach you just be content with what you have. There's a teaching called be content with what you have. But this is not what we're talking about. The Bible doesn't teach you to be content with what you have. The Bible says go contend for the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. And so when we pray as God's people... Lord, our Father, who are in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Has it been done? The kingdom come? No? Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. Has it been done? Ah, forget it, I give up. All right, is, that, is that how we're supposed to pray? We pray like a few times, and if the kingdom doesn't come, and the, God doesn't seem to be answering that prayer, we just give up on that prayer? No. We persist. We contend. Until we see the kingdom of God come. And when we say kingdom come, as evangelical Christians, 
for most of my life, I've understood the kingdom coming to mean the second coming of Jesus Christ. But man, I found out I was dead wrong. It involves the second coming of Jesus Christ. But the second coming is a culmination of the kingdom coming. In the meantime, the kingdom, the rule and reign of Jesus Christ is not to be all of a sudden, oh, Jesus is here. Okay, rule and reign. Here we go. All right. It's when you receive Christ. The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is within you. The moment you receive Christ, the hope of glory, that's when the kingdom of God starts to spread through your life. The king's rule and reign. Once it's established in your life, God says it can't just stay there. I want you to establish it around you. In the lives of your family. In the lives of your church members. In your nation, your city. Spread the rule and reign of Christ in opposition, in hostile opposition against the rule and reign of Satan. King's dominion. We've got to contend for it. Not just pray a few times, not just pray a few months. And, you know, we've been praying for North Korea to open up. For the last three years, the leaders of this church, we've been praying for North Korea to open up. And in this year, and you know what? Personally, I've been praying since 2003. So this is the seventh year in which I have been contending for North Korea to open up. And when I first saw the documentaries, when I first started hearing the testimonies, and when I read the, the Gulag reports about all the concentration camps in, in North Korea, when I read and when I actually visited the area in China along the border and met with North Koreans that were hiding out in China, when I heard about the testimonies of women that are sold as wives, sold into sex trade there. All right. Since then, I've been contending for the opening of North Korea. For, this is my seventh year. But as a church, we've been contending for about three years. And in this year, 2010, God is saying, breakthrough. Breakthrough is coming for this issue. Doors are opening. And I'm making ready for the reunification of this land. But guess what? If 2003, I went to Washington, D.C. for this big rally and I prayed and I went on this trip with Campus Crusade along the borders and, and I got to like see all these things and, and meet these North Korean soldiers and all this stuff. And during that time, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed. And, and for one or two years, I prayed and nothing's happening and the, and the thing, situation in North Korea seems to get worse or not changing. And I just gave up. That's not contending for the kingdom. Contending for the kingdom means you persist, you pray, you do, you gather other people to pray with you because you know that there is power in corporate agreement. Prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. The the prayers of righteous men and women are powerful and effective more. I just added to the Bible. Says that, I'm sorry. No, but if you couple that with what Jesus taught, if two of you on earth will agree about anything, it'll be done by my Father in heaven. Right? Um, we got to contend for the kingdom. We got to persist. All right? And so there's three areas I want to encourage you today to contend for the kingdom. Number one, you want to contend for the kingdom in your own heart. There's a war out there, but let me tell you right now, there's a war right here. And I'm not saying you can't fight that war out there until you finish the war in here because the, the war won't be finished in here until the return of Christ. Right? But let me tell you something right now. 
All of us, we got to contend for the rule and reign of Jesus Christ in every corner, in every room of every heart. In, 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 in every heart. In your heart. Every corner, every crevice in your heart, you want the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. If it's your finances, you want the rule and reign of Jesus Christ there. If it's romantic relationships and you've done romantic relationships a certain way, I'm Ryan Duker. I do romantic relationships my way. I do it my way or the highway. All right? And God says, Ryan, it needs to change. Ryan, your romantic relationships, your ways have not been working. You need to follow my ways, right? Then Ryan needs to submit that to the rule and reign of Jesus Christ, the wisdom of God. Right? You got to contend for the kingdom right here in your heart. And it's, it's, it's a process. But it's a pursuit that you do not want to relent on. Contend for Jesus Christ to be Lord of all in your life. George Verwer from Urbana conferences used to say, he'll come up to Urbana conferences all the time. George Verwer will always say, if Jesus is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Oh, wow, wow. You know, as a evangelical college students, all the evangelical college students were like, whoa. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jesus. He's like, the definition of the word Lord means you give Him lordship over every area of your life. You can't be selective. You can't just give Him. To, you got to give Him everything. If He's not Lord of all, He's not Lord at all. It's a good, powerful word. But, but the, the, the thing He doesn't, didn't share is it's a process. Right? It is a process. So you don't have to beat yourself up like, oh, I'm a failure. Oh, He's not my Lord now. Oh. Like, it is a process. But the pursuit, what are you aiming for in that process? Are you aiming for good enough? Are you aiming for purity? Are you aiming for His Lordship in over every, over area of your, every area of your life? Or are you just aiming for whatever is manageable for you? No, but it says the kingdom of God has got to be established in his, the hearts of His people. You want the rule and reign of Jesus Christ to go out into the world, or you better be pursuing it for first your heart. Second area you want to pursue, you want to contend for the kingdom, is in power. You should write that down if, you, if you're taking notes. Power. Second is power. The Word of God says the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Remember that old song back in the day? I got the power. Like the crack of the whip, I snap attack. Front to back in this thing called rap, digging like a shovel round devil on a heavenly level. Anyway, I got the power. <clears throat> Do you have the power? I want the power, but I don't know if I have the power. No, I, you know, you know. I introduced Mandy to uh, Todd White a few months ago, and Mandy is like, man, when she got when she likes something, like she goes all out for it. And man, like she just is just been really obedient and stepping out, and and I, I'm I'm afraid that just in a few more months, man, she's gonna be moving in this stuff much more powerfully than I've ever even seen or experienced for myself. But anyway, this guy Todd White, if you see his videos, first of all, he's got this wonderful character. It is flowing with love, and he doesn't use Christian jargon. He's able to relate to skateboarders, 
to people just waiting at a subway station in any city of America. He can be in Las Vegas Strip, meet two young dudes, one guy with a guitar and another guy that's about to kill himself, and meet them and talk to them with no Christian jargon and just meet them right where they are. And the thing is, Todd White's got power. He's got power. He has this cool gift of word of knowledge thing. If you don't know what a word of knowledge is, just watch Todd White. Right? And he'll meet any stranger. Doesn't matter, uh, you know, just he'll meet any stranger. Whether he gets to even share the gospel or not, he'll meet any stranger and just say, Hey man, you're I just I just feel like man, you're just so awesome, man. I just want to tell you that. You're like so awesome. And the guy will be like, uh, all right, what are you about? <laughs> Todd White's like, Man, you know, you got this teaching thing. Do you want to be a what do you want to do? And he's like, I want to teach. <laughs> Todd White's like, Yeah, man, you gotta do the teaching thing and <clears throat> and do you do you have like children? I see like two ch- children, a guy and a, and, a, and a girl. Is it a boy and a girl? Yeah, yeah, I have a child, boy and a girl, two children. And he's just able to get these words of knowledge. He's like, you got something going on in your back, in your back. You go like, in your back. And the guy's like, yeah, man. So, Can I just pray for Jesus to take away that pain? And the guy's like, well, you, you sure can, man. You telling me all this stuff about myself, pray for me. And, he, and, when he, and that's the revelation gives, right? And you should contend for that too. Right, because that, that will give you access. Because even if you have power, ain't no one going to want to pr- have you pray for them unless you have the revelation gifts. But he'll move in the revelation gifts as an intro to landing the power of God in that person. Tom White's got power. Because I'll tell you right now, he'll say, shoulder be made right because God is good and he loves Sean or whatever his guy's name is. He'll, he'll pray real simple like that. And he'll be like, hey man, check out your shoulder. Yeah. Come on, man. It's all good. And the guy's like, Yeah. Come on, man. Come on. Give him a high five and he hugs him. And do you know Jesus? And the guy's like, Come on. Yeah, tell me about him. You know, Tom White is moving in power. And let me ask you, do you, are you moving in power? Do you have power? Do you have kingdom power? Because the Bible says the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. You know what draws the non Christian? To the foot of the cross. It's power. Whether you like it or not. Go to the poorest countries of the world. And those revivalists and evangelists. That are drawing thousands and hundreds of thousands of multitudes of people. Alright. They're only able to gather those people. Because they're moving in God's power. To heal. To bring forth miracles. To raise the dead. People are falling, getting delivered by demonic spirits. It's only when, when the non-believer sees power, they see something real, that they come in mass to the foot of the cross. That's why power is so important. That's why Paul said, I came to you, not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power. Even like analytical thinkers, Right? When they see a demonstration of God's power, their analytical thinking will start to go in a new direction. We need power. God's people needs power. God needs people. God's people needs power. Say, I need power. I need power. <clears throat> Guess what? Here's how power comes. You got to contend for it. I'm not saying you got to earn it. You can't earn it. They come through the inspiration and manifestation of the Holy Spirit as He determines. 
but you got to contend for it. It's a difference between contending and trying to earn it. You can't earn it. They're called gifts for a reason. They're free. But the gifts are not just given out randomly, indiscriminately. Sometimes it will appear that way. God will just give a gift to anybody. He'll, he'll, there'll be somebody skeptic in the back. He'll just, I remember Randy Clark used to share these testimonies of he would have these two like people that would follow him all, all around different revivals just to stand there and criticize him. And, and then to sell books criticizing his ministry. And, he, and they would set up a book table outside of the hallway uh, trying to uh, criticize Randy Clark's ministry. Can you imagine that? Graham Cook had somebody like that too. Similar, very similar story. Randy Clark, had, had, Randy Clark was one time in a revival and uh, he, was, he was just praying for different people. He was about to pray for the leaders because he thought the leaders of the church were the hungriest. And instead, God started to touch the two people that had been following him around. And they came to the front of the stage shaking and going, Randy, you got to stop this. What's going on? And, and, and Randy was like, more, Lord. I told those two skeptics, they, they changed their mind after that experience. But power, you got to contend for power. You got to press in for it. You got to hunger for it. And whatever little power that you do receive, you got to move in that. You got to move in that. To, once you, you use it, you get more of it. Once you use it to minister to others, you get more of it. You give it away, you get more. But if you just let that, those gifts just dwell there, some of you have spiritual gifts already that have been activated through men of God. They've laid hands on you. They're already in operation. But you know what? You've kind of, you kind of like suppressed it. You kind of like shelved it. You kind of, you know? If you, just, if you just let that sit like that, it's like, it's, it's not very good for you. It's not good for your health. Like physically, spiritually, it's not good for your health. Gifts are given for it to flow. Jesus said, whoever's thirsty, let him come to me and drink and out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. When God fills you with the Spirit, the very nature of Him filling you with the Spirit means that He fills you with the Spirit and He fills you with so much of His Spirit that the Holy Spirit starts to flow out of you like a river. But if all you do is receive, receive, receive and you don't give away, it's going to like get moldy and get nasty. And then you start getting all doubtful and skeptical of every move of God. You know, some of the greatest critics and opponents of revival are those who experienced revival yesterday. We got to contend for more. If you have not anything, you got to contend till you see the power of God start to manifest through you. All right? And, and I'm talking about signs, wonders. I'm talking about physical healings. I'm talking about miracles. If you have never seen God use you to perform a miracle, press in for it. If you have seen God use you for a miracle, press in for more dramatic miracles. Press in for more frequency of those miracles. Uh, in 2009, I went on a mission trip to the Philippines. It was an amazing trip. We saw the fire of God just fall. Every place we went. Amazing trip. But I did not see a single physical healing. But the thing is, I prayed for the sick during this trip. We were in this really nasty slum uh, in Davao, in the Mindanao Islands, in the, in the southern province. 
And I was in Davao and I was praying for all these, all these sick people. And there was this one girl whose parents said that whenever it became 5 o'clock in the afternoon, she goes blind. And they were like, what do you think this is? This is a demon. <laughs> this is demonic. And I'm going to pray for your daughter and she's going to get well. I don't know if I said that. But I, that's what I wanted to say. But you know, I didn't have a, tr- I had a translator. So I just, I just lay hands. I pray for her. And nothing happened. And that we couldn't check also because it wasn't 5 o'clock. But ain't nothing happened. She couldn't, she, her eyes, there was this glossy thing on her eye. It wasn't going away. We prayed for other people who were sick. Ain't nothing happened. That whole trip, nothing happened. Pray for all these sick people. No, no healing. How discouraging is that? Let me tell you the very beginning of my uh, contending for physical healing. Uh, let me tell you the very first experience. Alright? It's, it's, it's actually not funny. My very first experience is I was the leader of the prayer team. This is before I became the lead pastor here. I was just a lay leader. I was a prayer team leader. And our prayer team, we started studying scripture about physical healing. And we started getting teachings about physical healing. And we started to understand that it is the nature of God to heal. And if Jesus was walking on this earth, what would we expect him to do if he went inside of a hospital room with a sick person that we knew? We would absolutely 100% believe that Jesus would heal and heal every time. It's just his nature, it's his character. Right? It's, it's our own contrived and creative doctrines where we say that God only heals sometimes. That God is selective about who he heals. Right? It's God's nature to heal. This is who he is. And some of you are looking at me weird. So this is a new teaching for you. Anyway, so we were getting this new teaching for us for the first time when I was a prayer team leader a few, four years ago. And what we did was we went to a hospital and we prayed for this one CCC staff that I knew because she was dying of cancer. We went in there. We prayed for two hours. Praying in tongues, praying the scriptures, uh, speaking out visions, prophetic visions. We got to just pray for her. And then we asked her, does she feel better? And she's like, yeah, I feel better. I feel hopeful now. A couple weeks later, we go back. We pray for her again because our cancer hadn't gone away yet. So we just pray for her again, pray for her again. And then I went on a trip to America. And during the trip, when I came back, I had to go to the funeral of that staff. We did a third visit. But after the third visit, the day after the third visit, where we were hopeful that she was getting better, she died. I mean, I'm thinking, God, this is our first time. You could at least encourage us. What are we, what are we going to do with this? You know, I want to tell the team. The team gave it 110% and the person died earlier than we, what we thought. How do you deal with this loss? How do we deal with this disappointment? A few months after that, we went to another hospital, believing that God will, con- God will heal maybe the next person we pray for. It was a person who was in a coma. One of our uh, church's friends was got into a horrible... Uh, I think he tried to commit suicide, and he wasn't successful. And he, became, he went into a coma. And we prayed for him. And we prayed for him to wake up. And we had all these prophetic dreams that he woke up and all this stuff. So we were so hopeful. We went in there and we, we prayed. And it, the power of God came. And he started to shake. And he actually opened his eyes. And he was shaking, coughing up all this mucus. And it looked like he was going to rise. And he went right back to sleep. <laughs> I'm like, come on, Lord. What's going on? 
But I'm telling you right, that was my first experiences with the physical healing ministry. And Satan tried to use those first few experiences to just completely discourage me, completely tell me, this is embarrassing. Don't ever do this again to yourself. But I heard the whole Holy Spirit whispering to my heart. You got to go do it again. Because, you know, check this out. Here's my logic, which I found later on through Randy Clark's ministry. Is 100% of the people you don't pray for, they don't get better. So if they're sick already, and you don't pray for them, they don't get better. It's just logic, right? They're not going to get better. But when you pray for them, at least then you have hope. That God through His power can change that situation around and heal that person. Alright, and so, uh, who was it? Rain Gretzky said, said it? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky. He's a good hockey player. And brothers and sisters, <clears throat> in Philippines, I went 2009, last year, I went to the Philippines, we, uh, not two years ago, I went to the Philippines and we saw no physical healings. And up until this point in my own personal ministry, I saw very little to no healings. But you know what I kept doing? Kept contending. Kept praying for the sick. I kept making a fool of myself. Believing the word of God. Believing that it's true. Despite what my experiences told me. Despite what the devil was whispering in my ear. I kept contending, contending, contending for the kingdom. It's like, we, you know, we, we, all of us, we contend in other areas of our lives. It's a natural thing for us to do, contending. All right, and I talked about this at Hillside. When your computer, when your Windows computer doesn't work, what do you normally do? You should get a Mac. But in the meantime, while you save up money, what do you do? All right. You often, you will turn the computer off and on. You reset that, John. And when then you, when, when they, oh, even Nintendo back in the day, we used to like, we used to do all kinds of stuff, blow on it. You know, we were going to play our game and we're going to play it now. And no one taught us to do that. Actually, we learn from watching others, right? Well, maybe it worked for them, it worked for me. But what do you, computers, Nintendo, what do you do? You, you, you turn it off and on. You do what you can to get it back working. You don't go, oh, this Nintendo doesn't work. I'm never going to use it again. Who does that? <laughs> you contend for it. If we do that for a Nintendo game system and for Windows computers, how much more should we do that for the kingdom of God? Just because you pray for a sick person and it didn't work or it didn't work the way you hoped it worked, it doesn't mean God doesn't heal. It doesn't mean that those prayers are ineffective. It means you just got to keep contending till you see it. You look like a fool. You don't care. I want to play my, you know, Super Mario Brothers right now. I want to play Legend of Zelda right now. I got to go in and beat this 
level and you know you, you I'm just telling you you guys do it every day you guys do it every single day and we got to do it it's got to become part of our nature for the things of the kingdom we got to contend for it so I'm, second thing is power contend for for kingdom power signs wonders miracles healings right when I started training Marcus right I told him come up and, and I would be like Marcus come up alright start praying for people he's like he's like huh huh alright hey man calm down man let's go over there pray for that brother right there alright put, put your hand on his shoulder or on his head and just, just pray for him what do I say man you, just go and pray for him Right, and the first few times he prayed, you know, it wasn't it was it wasn't eventful, right? But he believed. He contended that the more he stepped out and prayed for people, he knew the power of God was going to show up sooner or later. He knew the fire of God was going to fall. Because you know why? Because he sees me doing ministry, and being his mentor, he sees me doing it, and he sees me laying hands on somebody, and boom, they fly down, and then they start shaking under the power of God, and he and he sees me, and he knows that the whole same Holy Spirit that's in me is in him. He doesn't get a junior Holy Spirit, right? He gets the same Holy Spirit I got. So if he starts moving in that same anointing, he knows he'll see the same results. It didn't happen the first few times, but he didn't conclude it. the anointing is not real for him. He just simply contended for more. And now you see this boy, you know, laying hands on people. You know, I was, I was so shocked when I saw the Myanmar trip video from 2009. And, and he's taken up a lot of the preaching um, along with John Michael on that trip. And he's just, he's just there in Myanmar. And I don't know if Myanmar has ever even seen African Americans there. <laughs> But they are just embracing him because you know why? He was praying for people and people are just falling down left and right, left and right, left and right. And I was like, man. And you know what? What I really didn't like is Diddy made a missions video combining our Cambodia trip where we saw hardly any signs and wonders. Combine that Joel with the Myanmar trip. And then, you know, and then I'm praying, I'm praying for people and nothing happened. I'm praying for people, nothing happened. And Marcus is on the next clip. People falling down and down and down. And then Diddy... Diddy did that on purpose. I know he did. Diddy, I know you're hearing this. Little punk. I had a few good clips from Australia. He could have put that in. But you know what? I was really proud of him. I know he didn't get there overnight. He had to contend for kingdom power. All of you are miracle workers. Because the anointing of the Holy Spirit is inside of you. Whether you want to call... Your parents' marriage being saved, a miracle. Or you want, to, you want to see a cousin being healed of cancer. Or you want to see somebody you don't even know in the missions field being, who's lame getting up to walk for the first time. You are all miracle workers. And just because it doesn't happen on your first trip, do not give up. Do not get discouraged. Contend for the kingdom. Contend for this power. Because it's yours. It's your inheritance. Last, third area we got to contend for the kingdom is in justice. It's in the area of justice. The king's domain is not the king's domain. You know, the Bible talks about his throne 
the foundations of His throne is justice and righteousness. Justice is really important to God. Justice is really important to the king. A righteous king, and even any human history king, kingdom of the world, a righteous king always cared about justice. And I'm telling you right now, Jesus is the most righteous king you will ever find. He cares about justice. And when he sees all the injustices going on in the world, he's not just crying and heartbroken and, and pessim and, 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 and hopeless about the situation. Alright? He's pouring out his spirit on his people, saying, Who will go for me? Who will go for me? Who will go and make the right the wrongs right? Who will go and destroy injustice? Who will go and shine light into darkness? Who will go and set the captive free? Who will go and heal up the broken heart? Who will go for me? And Jesus sees his people as this army that will go out and set the captive free. That will go out and shine light in darkness. Justice is really important to God. And you know, under justice, you can even put evangelism. Because a, a, a person that's lost, and in a Calvinistic definition, will be a person that's chosen, predestined by God to know Christ and to know and come into the kingdom of heaven. That person, I think, this is a Calvinistic view, you don't have to agree with me. I think for that person to go one more day without knowing his creator, the one who loves him dearly, I think that's an injustice. How many in here, you guys got saved after college? Raise your hand. You got saved after college. All right, we got, you got a few here, right? You got saved after college. You can put your hands down. How amazing would it have been if you got saved sooner? I mean, it seems the rest of us seems to have gotten saved sooner. So we're like, oh, I enjoy that blessing. Thank you, Lord. No. I think it's an injustice. Right? That that lost person continues to wander like sheep without a shepherd. And so in, in evangelism, what you do is you go and you find the lost. You leave the 99, you leave the comforts of the 99, and you go after the one, and you just say, Hey, little guy, let me take you to your shepherd. Come on. Man, you won't come with me. Come on. Do what you got to do. No, I'm just kidding. But evangelism is also under the heading of justice. And a lot of ministries will do that, actually. They put evangelism under there with justice. But justice involves ending the modern-day slave trade. It involves seeing the concentration camps in North Korea shut down. It involves freeing North Korean defectors that are sold into all kinds of of slavery in China. It means going and giving the Thai girls in Pattaya a better future so they don't have to sell their bodies into the sex trade. Give them a better education system. Brothers and sisters, we as God's people, we got to be the solutions to the injustices we see here in Asia. And in all of the world, in all the nations. We've got to be the solution to those things. And that's what contending for the kingdom is all about. When you talk about contending for the kingdom in the area of justice, you're talking about 
15, 20 year plans. How many of you in here, you have the patience to carry out a 15, 20 year plan? Well, you know what? If you really want to see this modern day sex slave trade end, that's what it's going to take. It didn't happen for William Wilberforce overnight to end, to abolish uh, slavery in Britain. It didn't happen overnight for Abraham Lincoln. But it did happen as they contended. We got to contend. Who in here will be a champion for justice? Because when, when the wrongs are made right and the rule and reign of Christ goes out, those things, they come to an end. They are not allowed to exist. Brothers and sisters, those three areas, I want to exhort the church, contempt for the kingdom. Of course, there's a lot of other areas you can contempt for the kingdom, but just talked about those three areas. In your own heart, contempt for power, and contempt for justice. Let us pray. Father, I just thank you for your people here at New Philadelphia Church. And I thank you that God, that we will, we refuse to allow our experiences or our lack of experiences from defining our Christianity, from defining our expectations. But instead, we choose to hold up the standard of your word. We believe your word is true. Even when we step out and we pray for the sick and nothing happens, we continue to contend that your word is true. And we believe that as we contend, we will see the kingdom of God come and your will being done on earth as it is in heaven. So Father, I pray, let this core valley go deep and burn it into the hearts of each and every person in here. May they start to apply this principle to various areas of their lives. They will contend for the kingdom in their family's salvation. They will contend for the kingdom in the in corruption that they see in, the, in, their, in their hagwans or in their education systems that they're part of. They will contend for the kingdom in the area of leadership growth and character growth. So that they will really grow, O oh God Lord, so that they can have that king's dominion in their own hearts. So that out of them will flow, O oh God Lord, life will over, overflow powerful ministry. So I just pray, Lord, that these will be a people that know how to contend for the kingdom. Take us out of our impatience and make us a people that are steadfast in the word of the Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.